quickly shout out where you're located. If you are here for the first time, this is the Read and Rant, where we spend some time in the reading of the word. We've got folks from all over right now, quickly shouting out where they're located. So good to see you all. I'm going to quickly shout you guys out as well. Um, I want to encourage you, even while you're here, to join our Discord community. So I'm just going to put that out there right now. Join our Discord community. We had an amazing Bible study last night. And I know it got dicey. It got a little, mm, 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 mm. I was not expecting what transpired in Bible study to transpire. But, you know, this is what happens when we're being led by the Spirit. Is what happens when we get lit in the Word. And so it was encouraging. And, of course, we host our Bible studies on Discord every week. So I want to encourage you to join our Discord community. And if you want to get involved, ask questions, really dig in deeper, join us in our Patreon community, patreon.com slash Isaac Frere, patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. Oh, and our Discord community is discord.gg slash Opus Frere, discord.gg slash Opus Frere. So I've had a chance to actually look at all the comments now in the Everyone channel because I wasn't in the Everyone channel. I was in the Patreon channel on our Discord, but it's good to see you all. So while you're here, I'm just going to quickly shout you guys out because I got folks on Discord who are live right now, YouTube, um, on IG, on TikTok. I've got everybody here. And now I've got Twitch folks as well who are here as well. Um, I got Carl Junction, Missouri. Good to see you. <clears throat> I got um, um, New York City in the house. Toronto, good to see you, Cherie. Toronto in the house, good to see you. We got Claysburg, Pennsylvania, Birmingham, Alabama, Ohio. Paul Prince, good to see you. Haiti in the house, so good to see you. We got the United Kingdom. I'm so glad you're here, Brina. So glad you are here and that we get to come together to spend time in the word. On IG, I got folks from all over on IG. I got London, I got Philly, I got Trinidad, Lagos, Nigeria, Miami, Germany, Detroit. Good to see you. New York, Union City, Georgia, Cincy, Ohio. Good to see you, Cincinnati, Milwaukee in the house, Jamaica in the house, UK, Atlanta. So good to see you all on TikTok. I got folks from all over as well. I got Jacksonville in the house. So good to see you, Jacksonville, Mexico. Good to see you. I don't believe I've got Mexico on my list yet. So now I got to add Mexico to the list, y'all. I got to add Mexico to the list. So glad you're here, Mexico. <clears throat> so glad you are here. Um, we got Pennsylvania. Good to see you, Cali. Good to see you. We got South Africa in the house. Good to see you. Ethiopia, Oklahoma, Texas. Good to see you. Mississippi. Good to see you. Arkansas, West Virginia, Memphis. Good to see you. Guys, this is amazing. I want you guys to really take a picture of this because I don't think we appreciate enough what's actually happening. And sometimes God has to remind me of this. What's happening right now? We have people. I want you to pay attention to this for a moment. We have people from all over the world who are live with us to spend time in reading the Bible. We're just reading the Bible. That's it, y'all. I just had Opie, Ethiopia jump on. Bradenton, you're in my backyard. So good to see you. We're planting a church. So if you're ever interested, come and connect with us. I'm in Tampa. So, um, but guys, isn't that amazing? It's amazing to see people from all over, from all different time zones, area codes, different areas. Oh my God, Botswana in the house. So good to see you, Botswana. And so you, we have people from all over to spend time in the reading of the word. Look, I got my YouTube fam. Hold on. Let me quickly shout out my YouTube fam real quick. I got Kingfisher, Oklahoma. Good to see you, Julie. I've got Pennsylvania. Good to see you. Mount Pocono. Mont Pocono. Sorry, I said that wrong. We got Texas. Texas strong. So good to see you, Tina. So glad you're here. And man, let me tell you, it's been amazing. It's been amazing. Croatia. All right. Awesome. We got Croatia in the house. Good to see you, Croatia. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. We have a worldwide family who come together in the reading of the word. I love that we read the word. And we had Bible study yesterday, which it was it was awesome. It was awesome. Um, at the end, when I when I went to bed, I was like, <sighs> I said some things I probably I wouldn't have expected to say at that point. But hey, <laughs> it was said, it was done, and then everybody got rattled, and they're like, wait, wait, wait hold on, hold on, you got to go back to that. Can you go back to that? So now I feel like, oh my gosh, I just opened a can of worms. Now I got to go and actually 
do a Bible study on that. Um, but it was great. And I'm glad you guys spent time. We only did one verse. I don't know, guys. I mean, again, we're starting slow and we're building up, but we are digging in deep. But that's not what we're here to do today. Our read and rant and our time in the reading of the word is really a, a time where we're just reading through large portions of text. We're just reading through it and then just asking the Lord, what is he revealing concerning himself? What is he revealing concerning people? What is he revealing concerning me? And when I say me, I'm talking about you. You ask that for yourself. I'm asking that for myself. Um, and this has been what we've endeavored. This is what we endeavor to do every morning when we come together, every weekday morning when we come together to read the word. However, um, today we're probably not going to be afforded as much time as we usually are, but I still want to spend some time to read God's word. We are in Zephaniah, y'all. So go ahead and turn your Bibles to Zephaniah. We've gone from Genesis all the way to Zephaniah. We only have one book after this. One book after this and we'll be done. I remember saying we'll be done this week. No, we're not going to be done this week. We're actually going to be done next week. We will be done with the Old Testament, y'all. And for those of you who've been with us from the gate, congratulations. You read the entire Old Testament. You did that. And that's all I wanted you to do. If you read, the, if you read with me and then after that you leave and go about your day, that's perfectly fine. You don't have to listen to my rant, but we have a reading rant and the rant is really just a time where we, we're reflecting on the scripture. Okay. It's not a, I don't have anything prepared. Actually, I'm a little bit nervous about this one um, only because I know a little bit about Zephaniah and I know that Zephaniah doesn't really get you to, to, um, sorry, not Zephaniah, sorry, Zechariah. I keep saying Zephaniah, but Zechariah doesn't really get us to, um, to really the grand conclusion of this book, um, th this, this collection of visions and, and, um, and, and prof prophetic insight from Zechariah. We don't get to really see it in its fullness until later on. And today we're probably only going to read one or two, maybe three chapters. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. I'm not even sure. <laughs> we'll see what happens, but we're going to go as the Lord leads. Yeah. Sorry about that. I do this all the time. You'll get used to me. I'll say, I'll say we're reading this chapter, this book. Everybody's like, wait, what? Wait, huh? Who? Huh? Guys, I'm all over the place. Okay. Cause of course, outside of this time, I also spend my own personal time in the word. And then I get all confused. Like, wait, did we read this already? Which one are we reading? And then I'm always bouncing around. Wait, I read this already. Oh no, I read this yesterday. And you get it. Um, but I'm glad we're here and we get to read together. Okay. We get to read together. This is not that Zechariah. This is another Zechariah, Aaron. Um, that Zechariah that you're speaking about comes over 300 years later. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and let's pray. And then we're going to get into the word today. Definitely father. I thank you for the privilege that you've given us to spend time together to read your word. Father, we got folks from all over the world who are coming together to read your word on all kinds of platforms. And Lord, you brought us here in this moment, Lord, be it breakfast for some, be it dinner time for others, be it lunchtime, be it work time, be it rest time, be it the afternoon, whatever it may be, be it in the middle of the night, Lord, whoever it is, as they spend time with us in this word, Father, I pray, Lord, that your spirit would breathe into this moment and into this time. Lord, lead us and guide us in the truth of your word. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's get it going. Zechariah chapter one, it says this. In the eighth month of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Edo, the prophet, saying, the Lord has been very angry with your fathers. Therefore, say to them, thus says the Lord of hosts, return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Hmm. Already. Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Do not be like your fathers whom the prophets have preached, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Turn now from your evil ways and your evil deeds. Hmm. But they did not hear nor heed 
me, says the Lord. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? Yet surely my words and my statutes, which I commanded my servants and prophets, did they not overtake your fathers? So they returned and said, just as the Lord of hosts determined to do to us, according to our ways and according to our deeds, so he has dealt with us. Hmm. On the 24th day of the 11th month, which is the month of Shabbat, the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Edo, the prophet. I saw by night and behold, a man riding on a red horse and it stood among the myrtle trees in the hollow. And behind them were horses, red, sorrel, and white. Then I said, my Lord, what are these? So the angel who talked with me said to me, I will show you what they are. And the man who stood among the myrtle trees answered and said, these are the ones whom the Lord has sent to walk to and fro throughout the earth. So they answered the angel of the Lord who stood among the myrtle trees and said, we have walked to and fro throughout the earth and behold, the, all the earth is resting quietly. Then the Lord, then the angel of the Lord answered and said, O Lord of hosts, how long will you not have mercy on Jerusalem and on the cities of Judah against which you were angry these 70 years? And the Lord answered the angel who talked to me with good and comforting words. So the angel who spoke with me said to me, proclaim saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, I'm zealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with great zeal. I am exceedingly angry with the nations at ease for I was a little angry and they helped, but with evil intent. Therefore, thus says the Lord, I am returning to Jerusalem with mercy. My house shall be built in it, says the Lord of hosts, and a surveyor's line shall be stretched out over Jerusalem. Again, proclaim saying, thus says the Lord of hosts. My city shall again spread out through prosperity. The Lord will again comfort Zion and will again choose Jerusalem. Then I raised my eyes and looked and there were four horns. And I said to the angel who talked with me, what are these? So he answered me, these are the horns that have scattered Judah, Israel and Jerusalem. Then the Lord showed me four craftsmen and said, and I said, sorry, what are these coming to do? He said, these are the horns that scattered Judah so that no one could lift up his head. But the craftsmen are coming to terrify them, to cast out the horns of the nations that lifted up their horn against the land of Judah to scatter it. Then I raised my eyes and looked and behold, a man with a measuring line in his hand. So I said, where are you going? And he said to me to measure Jerusalem, to see that it's width, to see what is its width and what is its length. And there was an angel who talked with me going out and another angel was coming out to meet him who said to him, run, speak to this young man saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as towns without walls because of the multitude of men and livestock in it. For I, says the Lord, will be a wall of fire all around her, and I will be the glory in her midst. Verse six, up, up, flee from the land of the north, says the Lord, for I have spread you abroad like the four winds of heaven, says the Lord. Up, Zion, escape, you who dwell with the daughter of Babylon. For thus says the Lord of hosts, he sent me after glory to the nations which plunder you. For he who touches you touches the apple of his eye, for surely I will shake my hand against them and they shall become spoil for their servants. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion, for behold, I am coming and I will dwell in your midst, says the Lord. Many nations shall be joined to the Lord in that day and they shall become my people and I will dwell in your Midst. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you, and the Lord will take possession of Judah as his inheritance in the Holy Land, <clears throat> and will again choose Jerusalem. Be silent, all flesh, before the Lord, for he is aroused from his holy habitation. 
chapter 3. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was sitting before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. And I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head, and they put the clothes on him, and the angel of the Lord stood by. Then the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If you will walk in my ways, and if you will keep my command, then you shall also judge my house, and likewise have charge of my courts. I will give you places to walk among those who stand here. Hear, O Joshua the high priest, you and your companions who sit before you, for they are a wondrous sign. For behold, I'm bringing forth my servant, the branch. For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua, upon the stone are seven eyes. Behold, I will engrave its inscription, says the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. In that day, says the Lord of hosts, everyone will invite his neighbor under his vine and under his fig tree. I'll read one more chapter. Now the angel who talked with me came back and wakened me as a man who walked out of his sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? So I said, I'm looking and there's a lampstand and a solid gold of solid gold with a bowl on top of it. And on the stand are seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by one at the left, sorry, one at the right of the bowl, the other at its left. So I answered and spoke to the angel who talked with me saying, what are these, my Lord? And the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. Then I answered and said to him, what are these two olive trees at the right of the lampstand and at its left? And I further answered and said to him, what are these two olive branches that drip into the receptacles of the two gold pipes from which the golden oil drains? And he answered me and said, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. So he said, these are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. <sighs> I'm going to stop here. And I'm going to share just a few thoughts as we navigate through this day. Of course, this is morning for me. For some of you, this is afternoon. And so uh, for some of you, your day is now winding down. For others, the day is ramping up. For me, it's ramping up. And if you ask me how I am starting my day today, as I read this word, I'm starting my day inspired by the words that the Lord is revealing through Zechariah. If you've been with us, I think by now, I hope what's what you what you're seeing. I hope by now what you're seeing is is the order. Good to see you, Gary. Um, 
is the order of the books or the prophets that we've been reading up to this point. So when you read um, Ezekiel, Daniel, you read them in the order that they've been written, or you read Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, you know, um, you, you, you're beginning to see the order of these books and why they're ordered the way that they're ordered. Because what these books are, the prophets, are the prophetic voices that spoke into the things that we saw transpire from first Samuel, sorry, from, well, not, yeah, not from first Samuel, but from first Kings all the way to, uh, Nehemiah from first Kings and Nehemiah. We're reading a history first and second Kings first and Chronicles Ezra Nehemiah. We begin with Saul as King, but then we end with Israel in captivity. We begin with Saul as king, but then a lineage of kings that followed after him began with David. God made a covenant with David. That was a continuation of his covenant that he made with Israel. That through the line of David would come a messianic king, one that would bring the justice and restoration to all people and all nations on the earth. This is what Israel aspired towards. And so we read this. If you've been with us in the read and rant, you've read this with us. So you know this, right? You, you, you've seen this. And even in this time, as we've been reading, we've seen that even after David, while the promise was given to David, all the kings afterwards fell profoundly short of being the messianic leaders that would establish the messianic king. By now, I hope what's brewing up in you. See, this is why it's so beautiful to read the Bible in this way, to read it in its totality. It's beautiful to read it this way because what I hope is happening is, is that you have this brewing anticipation that you can feel Israel's yearning for this establishment of this new Jerusalem, for this establishment of this new kingdom, for this establishing of a new thing. And so at the as we get to the end, of course, we know how it ends. Ezra, right, brings Joshua the priest. In Ezra, we see, brings Joshua the priest and Zerubbabel into the narrative that while Israel, the kings fell short after David, Israel was then scattered, right? Attacked and scattered by a multiplicity of empires from Assyria to Babylon and then to Persia. And then in Nehemiah's time, what we read in Ezra, because Ezra and Nehemiah is really one book, we see Israel returning, the scattered people all about the world, particularly in Babylon, are now returning back to Israel to rebuild the city and to rebuild the temple. I, I, I say all that because I want to make sure you understand the context here, that this whole story that we read, we see, we saw the historical perspective and now we're seeing the uh, prophetic discourse that transpires during that period the prophetic reporting that's happening in that period from prophet to prophet to prophet. And these prophets are ordered through that narrative. And now we're getting to the end of that narrative, right? We're getting to the end of that story. I hope now you're seeing how the Bible's pieced together. It's almost like you read first Kings to Nehemiah. And then now you what sits on top of it are all those books of the prophets that we have been reading up to this point. And what we read uh, yesterday, Haggai, right, provided us prophetic perspective as we reach the end when Israel now is returning back to uh, Jerusalem. 
the remnant, the scattered people have now returned back and they're now in the process of rebuilding the city. I think what we got from yesterday's talk and yesterday's reflection is you can't rebuild the temple if you're not taking into consideration that you have to rebuild the people. And so Israel now is in the process of rebuilding the temple. Joshua is teaching the people the law, reminding them of the law. Zerubbabel is the one who will build the temple. And if you recall what we said yesterday when we were reading Haggai, is that even though they rebuilt the temple, they didn't like what they saw. It didn't look good. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't look like what they had aspired towards. It wasn't, it just wasn't it. And of course, what did he say? He said, you continue to work. And I, this was the word of encouragement for us that we keep going. He tells, he tells Israel, tells Israel, really, he's speaking to Israel to keep going. Even if it doesn't look like how you anticipated it, be hopeful. Why? Because if God called you to do it, then he's going to empower you to accomplish what he called you to do. I say this as a word of encouragement. If God calls you to do it, do it. Don't question your ability. Don't question your uh, talent. Don't question whether or not you're capable. Yes, there's going to be some equipping along the way. Yes, there's going to be some learning and training along the way. But if God calls you to do it, do it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. He'll direct you and guide you. Some things that God calls you to do, you're just going to have to say yes to and learn as you go. Because when God calls you to do some things, it takes faith. Faith is more than just what you're capable of. Faith is depending on God to make whatever he's calling you to do a reality. You can be confident when you know that God has called you to do something, even if you don't feel qualified to do what God is calling you to do. Why? Because if God calls you to do it, he's put his name on you. And if God calls you to do it, it's because he sees further down the line. If God calls you to do it, he's going to give you everything you need to do it. It will not happen by your power, by your might, but it is by the spirit of God that you're going to accomplish it. So stop questioning your credentials or your qualification. God is putting you into places and arenas. And when he puts you there, just trust him along the way. Trust him along the way. It might not even look like it, but trust the process. Trust the process. Yes. If God is doing a work in you and he's begun it, he will complete it. Trust the process. Trust the process with what God has given you a vision for. Trust the process with the work that he's doing in you and in your heart. Trust the process with what he's doing in your family and in your community. Trust the process that even though it doesn't look like what you aspired, it doesn't look like what you were envisioning or imagining. And maybe in your mind, this was supposed to go better than I thought. God's plan is greater than yours. So trust the process and let God do the work. Let God do the work. This was the word of encouragement. I'm leaning on this, fam. And the reason why I'm leaning on this today is because now we get to Zechariah. After Haggai, they built it. They didn't like what they saw, but they said, okay, which we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to listen. And then God says, know this though, make sure your heart is clean so that your hands are clean. And now we get to Zechariah. Zechariah is in the same period. There's overlap here between Haggai and Zechariah. Are y'all with me so far? I had to break down to that point. And Zechariah, who's also observing everything that's transpiring. Zechariah sees Samuel the priest teaching the Israelites. And he sees Zerubbabel, who is building the temple. And we see now that he's speaking into the fact that the children of Israel can't just 
build the city without first returning to God? What is the point to gain the blessings of God and not the presence of God? And so Israel, so he says from the beginning, and he's warning them that as they came back to Jerusalem, he says, make sure that you return to the Lord. Verse two in chapter one, he opens up with the word of warning and says, the Lord has been very angry with your fathers. Therefore say to them, thus says the Lord of hosts, return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Just because you go back to what God has promised doesn't mean that you've gone back to God. Just because you go back to bring reparation to what God is promising doesn't mean that you have it right with God. Some of us, we have semblances of repentance. But a repentance is not turning back to the way that God wants. It's not simply turning back to the way that God wants you to live and to be. But it's for your heart to turn completely back to God. If you're not turning to him, it doesn't matter if you turn to something that looks like him. Just because you go back to church, it doesn't mean you're back with God. Just because you go back to being a good person, it doesn't mean that you've gone back to God. Don't think that because you return back to things that look like God, that somehow you've returned back to God. God doesn't want your modified behavior. He wants your heart. He wants to be in relationship with you. So if all you're doing is turning back to old practices that seem righteous, that seem, it's religious. I mean, it's, it's, it's what God would want me to do. That's not what God wants. He doesn't want your activity. He wants your heart. And that's the part I think that a lot of us miss, fam, is we go back to where God is doesn't mean that we've gone back to God. Israel is going back to where God is. Going back to God's promises. Israel's not going back to God. Repentance is literally a turning and a changing of your heart. Your heart has to change. And he's warning them, don't be like your fathers to whom the former prophets preached saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, Turn now from your evil ways and your evil deeds, but they did not heed or hear. Don't do what they did. Don't hear the word and not be transformed. Don't hear the word and not receive. Don't hear the word and not be convicted. Don't just be religious. Because again, he's speaking into the hypocrisy of religion. The hypocrisy of religion is I'll be my own God and tap God's name on top of it. I'll be my own God, put God in a box. I'll make sure, you know, I sneak in my, you know, one hour on Sunday and I'll make sure I sneak in my, you know, time of, of, of reading, maybe my, my five minutes before I go take a shower in the morning, or I'll sneak that. That's not what he's talking about here. Because again, this is us making ourselves God and then making God our butler. Let me just sneak a little God in here. He's like, no, you need to turn completely to me. Like you, you've got to submit to me entirely. This is what he's speaking about. And so we see this initial warning here from Zechariah. But Zechariah also reminds them, if you look at verse 15, that he's bringing justice, but he's doing it through a people that he's not even in agreement with. Remember, we talked about this. Remember, the prophet spoke about this, that he would bring an army from the north, that God would, God would bring this army from the north. Like, like this army from the north, this, this Babylon from the north, God would bring them. God would use them to reorient the entire area, the entire region that has fallen completely away from God. 
But just because God is using Babylon doesn't mean that God has approved of Babylon. I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but I'm just going to say it anyway. Do not confuse God using you with God being in relationship with you. What am I saying? I'm saying there are people who they see how God is moving through them and how God is bringing about his work through them. And they immediately equate that God using them is God being in right standing with them. Are y'all hearing me? This is a word of warning for people who are being used by God. To not think even for a moment that God is with you because he's using you. Just because people come to Jesus through you doesn't mean that you have a relationship with Jesus. God can use anybody to get to whoever he's calling them to. God will get through anyone. Don't ever, ever, ever believe pastor, preacher, minister, leader, worship leader, whoever you are. Don't ever think that because people are having an experience with God and an encounter with God through you, that God is good with you. God will use evil people to get the people that he's called to, to him, even though God is not in relationship with them. And also let that be a word of encouragement for those of you who are still confused how God met you. And then you find out that the person who had preached the message to you, anybody ever seen that? Anybody ever had that where it's like, ever had that moment where you're like, hold on, this person who preached the gospel of Jesus to me, I had an encounter with God. I met God through this person. But then you find out that that person was a scumbag or that person was not the person who you thought they were. That person was a person of low character. That person may have been a criminal. That person may have been a liar and a cheat, whatever they were. And then you question your encounter with God because of the person that God used. I came to encourage you today. God will use anything and anybody to get to you. And if God used a criminal or a liar or a cheat to get to you, it tells you the, the depth that God will go to, the reach that God will engage in just to get to you. He loved you enough to go through somebody like that to get to you. So give God praise for what God did. Don't question your relationship with God because of the person that God used to get to you. Are y'all, are y'all catching me? I have people say, you know, I came to Jesus through so-and-so's preaching and now I don't even know where I'm at with Jesus. <laughs> you ever had that? Anybody ever said that? Anybody ever said, I came to Jesus through this person and this person preached and I had an encounter with Jesus through this person. Come to find out later on that that person was not even, I mean, it was everything that was wrong with humanity. And later on, you question yourself. You question your faith. You question whether or not you believe in Jesus. You're like, I don't even know. I don't even know if I believe in Jesus because that person who brought me to Jesus, that person is a straight up criminal, scumbag, cheat, liar, all of that. Fam, God will use anybody to get to you. He'll use liars. He'll use cheats. He'll use criminals. He'll use scumbags. He'll use anybody to get to you. Don't question your encounter with God because of who God used to get to you. As a matter of fact, Think about how deep God's love is that he would have went through that person to get to you. That's why we don't trust any man. We trust in God. Ooh. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. I got a couple minutes and then I got to go. <laughs> why do I say that? Where did, how did I get here? Because look at what it says in verse 15. He's using an evil empire to perform his justice. Use an evil empire 
to perform his justice. He said, but he says, look, he said, I'm exceedingly angry with the nations at ease for I was a little hangry, angry and they helped, but they helped with evil intent. They did the work of God with evil intent. There are pastors and preachers. I'm in Zechariah chapter one. There are pastors and preachers and ministers and leaders who will do the work of God with evil intent. Ooh, Lord Jesus, help me because here I am. I'm about to get lit and on fire because I need somebody to hear this today. There are people who will preach the gospel with evil intent. There are people who will minister with evil intent. And sorry if I remind you of what Paul had said when he spoke about those who would preach. He said, some will preach with envy and some will preach for selfish gain. But Paul said, I take pleasure that Christ is being preached. The problem is, is that we get so concerned about people coming to Jesus through people who may have had evil intent, not realizing that God can use people even through their evil intent. Be more concerned about where they're going with God because there's some people who are evangelizing the gospel who may not who may not go to heaven and the people that they evangelize to are the ones who go to heaven. Some preach for selfish for selfish gain. Some preach for evil intent. Some preach with envy. Some will use God for their own posture and position, what we do is, is we say, we spend so much time, fam, so much time. And this is where I get really turned off. This is where Christian Twitter turns, turns me off. This is where Christian TikTok turns me on. This is, turns me off. This is where Christian Instagram turns me off. We have so many Christians on these platforms who waste so much time Bring to question the characters of men who preach the gospel and they confuse. Oh my gosh. You know what? I'm, maybe I should do a TikTok on that. I'm telling you, I get so turned off by Christian Instagram, Christian TikTok, Christian Twitter. They all turn me off. They turn me off because they spend so much time criticizing and critiquing other ministers of the gospel, criticizing their characters, all of that, other ministers of the gospel. It is such a turnoff. It, it, it bothers me. It annoys me because we have turned criticizing the characters of people who preach the gospel as gospel. Fail. Just reveal the goodness and the love of Jesus to others. Preach the gospel yourself. And when you preach the gospel yourself, let people be drawn to the love and the grace and the overwhelming power of the Holy Spirit to change the life of a believer. Stop wasting your time with all this negative banter, bickering back and forth on Twitter about people's characters and that person's characters. It's a waste of time. And quite frankly, it's, it is unattractive. People aren't coming to Jesus because you're over here criticizing some other preacher. Nobody cares. Have you ever noticed that the only people who care about what you have to say and all your negativity, you ever noticed that the only people who care about it, ready for me, fam? The only people who care are the ones who are already saved and already Christians. The ones who are lost are looking at you guys bickering and bantering with one another saying, I don't want to be a part of that. Shut your mouth. Just, 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 just shut your mouth about that. And how about we just preach the love of Jesus and the grace of Jesus and the power of the gospel? Some of y'all just need to shut up. Some of y'all just need to shut up. Some of y'all Christians just need to shut up. Because your negative bantering and bickering with one another is turning me off and turning a lot of people off. 
And as much as you think that what gospel is, is criticizing and critiquing and questioning the characters of those who preach the gospel, understand that that's not bringing anybody who's far from Jesus to Jesus. All it's doing is hyping up all your negative, bitter, angry, other quote unquote Christian believers. It's tired. It's unattractive. It's done. Just move on and shut up, please. Please. I'm going to post this on TikTok and it's going to get me in trouble. Because all the angry, loud Christians are going to be like, who does this guy think he is? We're doing God's work. You're not doing God's work. Paul even said that wasn't what he was concerned about. He just wanted to make sure Christ was being preached. You say, how do you feel about so-and-so or this preacher? Can you believe that preacher did this and that preacher did that? I said, who do you follow, a preacher or Jesus? I'm sorry, y'all. I'm in full-blown rant mode. I don't know how I got here. I got to go. Who are you following, a preacher or are you following Jesus? If you follow a preacher, follow a preacher, then yes, there's a problem. Yes. If you follow a preacher, then I can see why this could be a problem. But if you're following Jesus, let him deal with Jesus. <laughs> he says that they helped. God is saying to Zechariah that Babylon has helped, but they've helped him with evil intent. Meaning, I'm going to deal with Babylon later on. I'm going to deal with Persia later on. I'm going to deal with Assyria. You know what? I'm going to deal with them. But for now, they helped me do what I needed them to do. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I don't know how I got this lit. I haven't had anything to drink yet. I haven't had coffee. I haven't had none of that. But but I, I got to make sure we reorient ourselves to realize that being used by God being used by God does not immediately equate to being good with God. The subsequent chapters, I'm sorry, I'm cooling down. I'm cooling down because I, I don't know. I'm, I'm having one of those mornings. Maybe it was, Maybe it's the remnant from Bible study last night. Maybe it's the remnant because we got too lit last night for Bible study. But I, 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 I have to emphasize this. This is so important, fam. So important for you to see. That now what follows this are a series of visions that we see in Zechariah. And in these series, y'all too lit on Discord right now. You guys are too lit. I'm looking at Discord right now. These these memes are, are killing me, okay? I'm just letting y'all know right now. These memes are killing me, <laughs> okay? All right. Um, <laughs> y'all got, got, got furnaces and fire burning up. I'm sorry. You guys, you guys are awesome. I love y'all. By the way, join our Discord community, okay? Discord.gg slash Opus Frere. All right. Discord.gg. The Bible studies are on our Patreon. Okay. Patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. All right. Anyway, um, I don't have time. So I want to close with this because I want to close with a word of encouragement. I'm, I'm cooling down, y'all. I'm cooling down. Cooling down. Because um, I could be here all day with that. He says here, and I'm just going to fast forward. Notice he speaks about Joshua, the high priest, what we just spoke about in verse eight, chapter three, verse eight. Here, O Joshua, the high priest, you and your companions who sit before you, for they are a wondrous sign. For behold, I'm bringing forth my servant, the branch. One thing that I want you to notice here, and if you if you ever get a chance, go back, go to Patreon or uh, yeah, go to Patreon and listen in to our, what was it, like a five-part Bible study on the book of Revelation. Revelation is not what you think it is, okay? People make Revelation something it's not, okay? Revelation is not a book about the end times the way that people teach it, okay? Revelation is actually a, 
a, an apocalyptic book. What does that mean to be apocalyptic? It's about the revelation of Jesus. Revelation is literally about the revelation of Jesus, not specifically about the end times. But of course, you know, you got all the end times prophets who make it about the end times. Revelation is actually about the revelation of Jesus spoken in a, in a visual apocalyptic code. And we talked about why it was written in that code. If you want to decode and understand revelation, then you have to go and read the prophets because what John is doing is he's writing a coded letter to the churches in Asia minor about this evil empire that's coming. And this at the time, this is the Roman empire that's coming and to encourage them that even though they're going to face oppression to remain faithful because the reward for faithfulness will be greater than the comfort they'd receive in this time resulting from them capitulating to the Roman empire. And so John writes this code and he's using all these images. This is why it's so weird. Everybody reads like, man, these are just revelations so weird. All these weirded coded images, all this stuff that doesn't make sense. Go and read. The Bible study was really an introduction. I can do a year on revelation. Okay. I realized that now I can do a year on revelation because revelation is actually one of my favorite books in the Bible. It's becoming my, it's becoming, it's almost becoming my favorite because revelation brings Genesis to light. Revelations makes Genesis make sense, but that's another conversation for another day. However, if you want to understand revelation and how it's coded, you need to read these prophets. One of the prophets that's a huge influence on John in his letter to the churches in Asia minor, which is what the book of revelation is. It's actually a letter to the churches in Asia minor is he uses a bunch of images, symbols, imagery, and he's using those symbols and imagery to bring them back to the text in the Old Testament that then would point to what he's actually saying. Zechariah is one of those books. Zechariah is one of those books that brings to light the book of Revelation. Okay? Brings to light the book of Revelation. So you see all these images, the the branch, my servant, the branch, and you see the golden bowls and the lampstands. These are all, or the horsemen. Yes, exactly. Uh, Sarah, all these things are, are images that he, that, that, that John is gleaning from books like Zechariah, Daniel, Ezekiel. Um, he also gleaned images from Job and from other texts. And so he's taking, he's pulling out those images and then he's using them to reveal the message of Jesus. Okay. And how they're going to overcome the empire, how through Jesus they can overcome. Right. And so he's using those images and that's really what revelation is all about. It's mainly what it's all about, of course. Everybody comes up with these like codes and, oh my gosh, Revelation is saying this and saying that and saying this wrong. Anyway, um, so that was just a quick little point there. But I want to leave you with one word here. So Joshua, who is the high priest, right? He's speaking to Joshua about the promise of a savior, a branch, a servant, this messianic king. So that's Joshua, the high priest. So he encourages Joshua, the high priest, that this will all come together, even though it doesn't look like it. Then in chapter four, he's encouraging Zerubbabel. Remember, Joshua, the priest was given the task of teaching the people, building the people up into their identity, who they've called to be, who they're called to be. Zerubbabel has been tasked with building the temple. And remember what I said, they saw it and they didn't like the progress. And so he says their word of encouragement. He says in verse six, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. He's encouraging Zerubbabel right now and saying, I gave you the task to build a temple. And even though it doesn't look like what you want it to look like, remember this. It's not by might. 
nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. If God is giving you something to build, he's giving Zerubbabel something to build. If God is giving you something to build, it's not going to be by might. It's not going to be by your power. It's going to, it's going to be by his spirit. By his spirit. Zerubbabel may not like how it looks, but this is not on you because you're not doing it by your might. You're not doing it by your power. You're doing it by his spirit. You may not like what it looks like right now, but he says in verse 10, who has despised the day of small things? How many of us have looked at what we're working on and we look at the stage that we're in and we say, I'm not really feeling this. I, you know what? I, I, I don't think this was made for me. I don't think I was meant for this. You look at the beginning and you go, it's small. It's minuscule. It's not impressive at all. But what does God say? He says, for who has despised small things, small beginnings, the day of small things, just because it looks small today doesn't mean it'll be small forever. A mustard seed turns into a mustard tree. Too many of us have mustard seed faith. Sorry, too many of us have mustard tree faith. We have the big vision of the tree, but God wants us to have mustard seed faith. One that sees the small seed but cultivates it knowing that it'll become the tree. God doesn't give us trees. He gives us seeds. And too many of us throw seeds away. Too many of us throw away the promise of God because we don't want to believe and put in the work in the small seasons. Don't despise the small seasons in your life. Don't despise the small things. Keep on working, keep on pressing, keep on going. God bless you, fam. Dearly Father, we thank you, Lord, as we close today, Lord. Bless us as we navigate through this day, Lord. Lord teach us to trust the process, Lord God. Teach us to have faith in the process. Teach us, Lord, to not despise the small beginnings, the small things. But Lord, teach us, Lord, to trust that we are operating by not our might and power, but by your spirit. And so we trust you, Lord, with all that you've given us, as small as they may seem now. Lord, give us the confidence and the boldness to keep going, trusting in you with the small things that we've been given. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. I got to go. Join our Discord community. The conversation continues on Discord, discord.gg slash opusfrere. And if you're on Discord right now as well, get the link to the Discord. Share with your friends so they can join Discord as well, because this is an amazing community. And also prayerfully consider becoming a patron. There are those of you, and I love all the oranges I see on Discord, and I love those of you who are on here who are patrons as well. Consider supporting us by becoming a patron. Patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. Again, the link is in the profile, the link is in the bio, patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. Another thing I want to encourage you to do is I want to encourage you, if, you, if you're not on Patreon, Patreon is not your thing, and you're just looking for a means to support, click the link in the bio, there are ways to give. And also, I want to thank all of you who may not be Patreons, patrons, but you may be subscribers. I see you with your Opus tags and those that have the crowns on IG. Thank you for supporting, because your support is what makes this possible. Okay. It's what makes this possible. So we love you, fam. And thank you so much for everything that you do. It is the support of this family that makes what we do here possible. That's why I can be here every weekday morning, except for Fridays, of course. But every weekday morning, I'm here because of your support. So thank you so much. I'm encouraged by it. God bless you guys. And also subscribe to our YouTube, youtube.com slash at 
um, at Opus Frere. Okay. Uh, and, and also text us 954-231-1848. I got to go. I was supposed to end early and I ended up getting too lit. It's, it's your fault, y'all. Love y'all. I got to go. Peace out. God bless you guys.